This week on Thingamabob. It is a taxidermied badger filled with the necessary bits to create a theremin. Ew! I know. All of their hurdy-gurdies were destroyed. What? I know. (laughs) Stay tuned for more. Baseball bats and gallon cowboy hats and more. Magic rings and other nerdy things in store. Listen on in, it's time for Thingamabob. Better tune in, it's time for Thingamabob. Thingamabob! Well, hello, Bree. Well, hello, Josh. Hello, everyone listening. And welcome to Thingamabob. This week's theme is musical instruments. (laughs) (laughs) Brie and I always sing that because I think I always sing it first. I was going to say that always pops into my head. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's that whole, like, my last two brain cells. It literally is. It's a mood. That's the song that's (laughs) always played. It literally is. We thought it would be fun this week to talk about what instruments Josh and I played as kids before we get into our history. <laughs> Joshua, you first. Okay, um, <laughs> let's see. The instrument I played as a kid was the piano. Mm-hmm. And by a kid, I mean I started it in middle school and ended it in middle school. Did you, Wait, did you really? Yeah, I only took four years of piano lessons. But I still, like, I can play. How long play. were you in middle school for? Four years. Middle school was four years for you? Yeah. When did it start? Fifth grade. I know oh. a lot of other people have grade school where it ends in fifth grade, but yeah. no, it started fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. Oh, okay. My middle school was only six through eight. I think That's most why. people are that, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know why mine was like that. Shout okay. out if anyone else has four years of middle school experience. <laughs> I think because, some people do, yeah. Yeah. I mean, middle school already sucks. You might as well have another year. <laughs> you might as well have more of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What was your uh, musical instrument as a um, child? Well, I played a couple. When I was like really little, I started with the recorder. Stop. As I think a lot of people did. Did you not play recorder? No. Really? I, we... didn't, I never really had like a band musical class. We always had like singing. Oh, we, like, maybe okay. Maybe played like some instruments, but we never like yeah. took a recorder. We played recorder in elementary school. So. I love it. <laughs> I had that. And then I had a brief stint uh, playing the trumpet in like fourth grade, I think. I only played it for one year. Wow. Um, which is a blessing for my parents. because <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> we were also, uh, at the time we were living in an apartment, so it was like a much smaller space and I was just learning how to play the trumpet. So I'm sure that was awful for the rest of my family <laughs> to listen to. Um, but then I started playing piano, I think in like fifth or sixth grade, and I played it for like five or six years maybe. I'm not sure, because I started when I was younger, and then I stopped in high school. I know that. I stopped mm. taking lessons in high school, um, because I didn't like it, so <laughs> I yeah. stopped, which now I wish I had kept doing it, and it's so funny that you only took it for four years, because you're like a much better piano player than I am, but I think I'm I just- not anymore. You are. I was in college. I think you probably still are. I hated practicing, so I, <laughs> I was never great at the piano, but I can like- sort of play it still but yeah barely i can basically like learn a part yeah yeah i can learn my like my vocal line if i'm teaching yeah. myself a song but i can't accompany Useful, myself but yeah yes could be better it could be better i know you can always pick it back up 
I could. You're right. I could always pick it back up. It's never too late to start an instrument, baby girls. <laughs> you know what? After doing my research for my instrument today, I kind of really want to learn how to play it, even though I think it's uh, like way above my skill. I am level. so curious what this instrument is. I know. Then. I've kept it secret because it has a good name, so I wanted to surprise Josh. <laughs> she only knows my instrument because was. we have to tell each other so that we don't do the same thing. Right. But because she knew what my instrument was, she didn't have to tell me what her <laughs> instrument is. So I'm very excited to find out. It would have been weird this week if we had picked the same instrument, I think. Given, given what you chose, I think it would have been Yeah, really but you also chose something bizarre. weird. We didn't choose standard instruments. Right. But also, like, we both could have easily done the piano. Right. That's true. Or, like, something standard, but... Yeah. I had another question for you, though, before oh. we actually start. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to no. know, was there any instrument that you wish you had learned, like, when you were younger oh. or in college or something like that? Uh, the violin. Oh, yeah? Oh, well, Josh, yeah. you are learning how to play the violin. I'm learning it now. Yeah. But I wish I would have started learning it when I was younger because it's mm. really hard to do now. Yeah. I'm happy that I'm a singer because then it makes the violin easier because I can, like, hear the pitch. Right. Um, but if I had started it when I was younger, it would definitely be a little easier. But that being said, I <laughs> did start the piano when I was younger and I stopped. Right. So perhaps I would have done the same with the violin. But... Maybe. My brother uh, played the violin when he was younger and then stopped. So <laughs> there you go. Prime a example. classic story. Did you have one that you wished you would have learned? Um, yeah, I wish I had started learning guitar oh, when yeah. I was younger because I would really, I say this, I would really like to know how to play now. I can learn. Mm-hmm. I can like take lessons or teach myself or something. But I feel like as you get older, it's a lot harder to like retain knowledge it's it's just harder to learn how to do something it's very hard yeah so i i kind of wish that i had started when i was in like middle school or something like that and then i could accompany myself on the guitar and be a be a cool girl you got <laughs> a cool, a cool guitar girl a cool uh, just a cool guitar girl just just cool guitar girl thing i know in my tiny violin experience i um it is impossible yeah <laughs> i'm literally like frustrated constantly yeah and like judgy like this is a good point my uh teacher says that it is harder to pick up when you're an adult specifically because you judge yourself so easily that's when so you're true. a kid you can just play and you like learn because you're mm-hmm. like oh this is something and then also your brain just can retain yeah. more like you said yeah well yeah i like i i do actually remember trying to learn songs on the trumpet and I guarantee you I was not good but I remember just like standing in front of my music stand and being like oh I'm just learning it right like I'm just teaching myself how to play the song there was no like I'm really bad at this and I'll never be a pro trumpet player no I know and Um, I was just doing it but now it's it's very much like (laughs) I suck (laughs) so (laughs) yeah Uh, (laughs) that's how I feel about singing too (laughs) Except you have a degree in singing. So. I have a degree in acting, and I feel like a minor in no, singing. That's how I interpret it, my musical theater degree. you have a degree in singing, acting, and dancing, in theory. I'm not a dancer. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> I just remember. I'm not a dancer either, but technically our degree covers some element of dance. We're, neither of us are triple threats. I'm just saying that for the <laughs> you people know what? listening. We're not, but, <laughs> We're not but we both have be. BFAs in musical theater, so <laughs> <laughs> technically. R.I.P. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Our new climate, though. Our what? degrees definitely don't matter. <laughs> 
Our new oh, because our post post COVID life. Post COVID life, <laughs> yeah, it's coming. You thought it was a useless degree before. Well, baby, <laughs> look at us now. <laughs> Woo! Performing is dead. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's why we started this oh podcast, actually. And uh, on that uplifting note, <laughs> let's get into it. Let's get into it, baby. Are you yes. ready? Okay. <laughs> I am doing the hurdy gurdy. Not the hurdy gurdy. <laughs> the hurdy gurdy. That's so funny. The hurdy gurdy sounds like a dance to me. It does. It does sound like a dance. I'm so excited about this instrument. I... <laughs> like you've never been excited about anything before. I'm really, I don't know why I'm so geeked about the hurdy gurdy, but I'm I'm really excited to tell you about it. I think partially because when I was trying to figure out what to do for today's episode, I was like, uh, I want to do something really interesting or like maybe I want to do the piano and then some other stuff. And so I looked up like interesting musical instruments and I saw this and I had never heard of it before. And I was like, oh, that's got a funny name. Let's check it out. Um, and then it was like so fascinating to me the way that it works. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I've never heard about it. I I just like I said, it I hadn't like a dance. either. I know, and I feel like I don't know having some like musical knowledge. I've like heard of a lot of In- instruments, yeah. um, and I haven't. So <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk a little bit about the hurdy gurdy. Um, now I want to tell you what it looks like first, kind of like to give you a visual image, and then mm-hmm. I'll show you a picture. Anyways, mm-hmm. so you can see it in your mind um and if you're listening along with us check out our instagram at thingamabobpod (laughs) so that you can see photos for reference but to describe it it kind of looks like like a fat violin almost it's like bigger in size like lengthwise and also fatter than a violin but it has that same body shape so like a, a guitar or a violin like a cello no it's not that big Oh. Yeah, it's it's smaller like a than a guitar, but bigger than a violin. Oh my god, I didn't know there could be more of those. Because I know there's the viola, there's the cello, there's yeah. the... Well, and I'll explain, because you're thinking of like holding a string instrument the way that you would hold a violin. It looks more like a violin, but you hold it like a guitar. So it's... Oh. <laughs> yes, it's like a weird mid-size kind of uh, wooden instrument. And I was about to call it a string instrument, but it's not. It's actually a drone instrument, like a bagpipe. Yeah. So it kind of looks like a fat guitar. And then on top of it, there's like a little box almost that has like a keyboard inside. So like the keys are on the bottom of the box. And then inside, it's like uh, like hammers that would press on piano keys but it's connected to the strings. So there are strings that go across the instrument. It's very difficult to describe. It's just sounding like the combination of a guitar, a violin, and a keytar. It kind of is. It kind of is. But then also on <laughs> top of also. on top of all of these strings and the keys, there's a wheel on one side of it, and there's a crank on the end of the instrument that you turn and it turns the wheel. And the wheel rubs against the strings to create uh, the different melodies. I'm sorry, you said you wanted to learn this instrument? (laughs) (laughs) It sounds a little complicated. It does sound complicated, but it also sounds so cool. It'd be really cool to say you play the hurdy-gurdy. I know. So let me show you a picture really quick so that you have an idea of what it looks like. Is it a bluegrass instrument? It's it's like a folk music instrument. Okay, okay. it yeah. looks folky. Yeah. So when it's played, it sounds um, 
super medieval. Like if you have yes. a, a, if you can picture in your mind's eye, medieval music. POV. <laughs> <laughs> That's what this instrument sounds like. Um, which I will get into. I'll like talk about all the different sounds that it can make because it can make a bunch of different sounds in one instrument, I which is crazy. Um, but we're going to talk a little bit more about like how it's made or like what it's made up of, basically. Um, so we're going to talk about what each part of the hurdy-gurdy does. <laughs> <laughs> the most important part of the hurdy-gurdy and the most distinctive part is the wheel, uh, which bows all six strings on the instrument by turning the crank on the side of the hurdy-gurdy. It's it's sort of like a jack-in-the-box. you know. Yeah, I totally can picture yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. So when you play the violin, you put the bow down on the strings to play. But with the hurdy-gurdy, you're putting the strings down on the bow. Stop. That's sort of like how they explain it. It's that it's like the opposite of... So if you can picture the sound of a violin being bowed, that's what it sounds like. But it's like the mechanism of it working is the opposite. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so the wheel acts as the bow for the instrument. Now, the strings run the full length of the instrument, and each of them can be placed on the wheel or removed at any time. Um, strings have a tiny piece of cotton wrapped around them where they make contact with the wheel because it protects the strings from being, like, shaved down from constant friction, and it produces a smoother and softer sound. So hmm. when they were... Uh, I watched... To get all this info, I watched a lot of YouTube videos about, about it from, like, hurdy-gurdy players describing uh, how the instrument works because it's just bizarre and interesting. So there's a lot of details about it. Um, but people used to think... There's, like, mixed opinions, but a lot of people used to think that the sound was, like, too loud and grating. And so that's why they put the cotton on it to, like, smooth it out and kind of make it softer. It's interesting that it doesn't affect the tuning. I guess not. I don't I don't know. This hmm. instrument is the most bizarre thing that I've ever read about, but I love it. It is so interesting. <laughs> um, so I mentioned that there are three different types of strings. I'll explain to you what they do. <laughs> so there's the drone strings. There's normally two of them down at the bottom of the instrument. Like if you're holding it like a guitar, mm -hmm. they're at the bottom. Um, and there's one on the side that's closest to your body. So like the top, so to speak. Um, they're both tuned in harmony with one another. And the two on the bottom are the bass drones. And so they create like a deep throaty kind of sound, um, while the one at the top is tuned to be an octave above whatever the bass drone strings are playing. Have You've heard bagpipes, yes? Yes. It's That's the sound that we're creating, basically. It's so weird. It's so weird because it's a string instrument, but yeah. it's not. It's crazy. You'll hear it when I when I play some audio clips. Um, now, the second type of string is called the trompette string, and when the wheel, the like crank on the side, is turned smoothly and normally, it acts kind of just like another drone string, but if the player turns the wheel in like a hard jerking kind of movement, it creates like this really high buzzing sound and a rhythm for the song. So you can like simultaneously, while you're turning this wheel, you can create a low drone and like a buzzed rhythm oh, that's beat cool. on your instrument. It's so cool. Um, now the third type of string are the melody strings. So they're strung like a violin or a guitar. They go all the way across the instrument, um, but they're played through the keyboard on the key chest. <laughs> Uh, they work similarly to like two different examples. Um, 
one of which is from the video that I watched and one is just from my own sort of observation of what I can relate it to. Um, so I pictured it as like when you're playing a piano, you press the key down and on the inside of the piano, a hammer will lift up to hit the string that will like play the, the note that you're trying to hit. Um, and on the second, the second example that we have is that it's like playing a guitar and pressing the string down to the fret, but instead of press instead of you pressing down the string to the fret the fret pushes up to the string it's that same sort of like opposing motion that you would uh what am i trying to say but it's just backwards it's, it's just, just backwards. so interesting yeah. it's just backwards exactly the whole instrument is backwards it's like it's almost like the instrument plays yo <laughs> kind of honestly watching people play it is like watching someone try to like pat their head and rub their stomach at the same time no. <laughs> that is what playing this instrument is i can like. imagine with the crank with the crank going and like pressing the keys nope. <laughs> and then one video that i'm going to show you this guy like plays it with the keyboard like open because there's like a lid on it he plays it open and he like plucks the strings on the inside as well as it's insane no <laughs> it's absolutely crazy i don't understand how people learn this and yet I want to. Hey, it's a niche market. <laughs> it is. It's a very niche It'll market. It'll keep those few players yeah. in the job. Um, the whole instrument is also tuned manually. So players have to be like super familiar with how the instrument works. And when I was reading about it, there was this quote um, that was kind of like comparing uh, being a professional violinist to being a professional like hurdy gritty player where like to become a really great violinist you have to have like a lot of intonation and work really hard on your bow technique and um, it's a lot of like external like personal stuff but to be a good hurdy gritty player you have to make sure that your instrument is like perfectly in tune and that everything is in the right place it's it's much more of a, like a physical relationship with the instrument that checks out workings it's yeah it's so interesting um so it sounds like a bagpipe paired with a violin basically <laughs> so i'm gonna play you a little yes. clip of what I, it sounds honestly, like honestly i have this in my head and i can't wait to actually hear it's it. so it's bizarre and i love it um and we'll we'll make sure to put the clip in One instrument? This is one instrument. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm obsessed. I now do you understand why I'm so excited about this? It sounds <laughs> instrument? so cool. It sounds so cool. It literally sounds like three instruments are playing at once. Yeah. It's one instrument. I, I love it. I I'm so I'm so obsessed with it. Yeah, no, it sounds so like mysterious. Yeah. But, and I'm sure I mean it's that composition that we were listening to but probably but still it's, it's though i think the, the droning works so well with the rest of the instrument yeah it's so cool it sounds very medieval very like mystical kind of very yeah which I feel makes like we're sense we're walking through like the forest yeah well it's used nowadays it's used a lot at like renaissance fairs Dumb. and to create <laughs> um i guess for like if you're trying to evoke like a pirate 
sort of theme in music. It's used a lot for things like that because it's kind of like... Is it used in Pirates of the Caribbean? I don't think it was. Mm. When I was looking up features on things, I, I don't think it actually was. Um, but I did find a Pirates of the Caribbean hurdy-gurdy cover oh. on <laughs> YouTube. Yes. Which I'll show you later. I'm not going to play that clip on here, but if you want to hear that... <laughs> I'll play that for you later. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's what it sounds like. And I think it is so cool. It I is love cool. it so much. Um, so now that we know kind of like what it sounds like, what it's made out of, I'm going to give you a little bit of the history and I'm going to try to, there's a lot, but I'm going to try to like keep it concise for mm-hmm. you. Um, so the wheel instrument is the earliest known version of a hurdy gurdy. Not a super creative name, but we're talking like way early, like, 900 ACE here. <laughs> so <laughs> we're not super creative. It's called the wheel instrument. Um, it's not known exactly when or where it was created because there's like a lack of recovered historical items from the general area, but it's thought to have originated in Persia. Oh. Yeah. Um, but I guess that that area is like there's not a ton of uh, stuff that they found. So it's hard to actually prove that. Um, that's what people think. So around, I believe it's like 911 ACE, um, the wheel instrument is brought to Europe during like some crusades and things like that. Um, And it's now known as the symphonia or the organistrum in church settings. So it's the same instrument, goes by two different names. Hmm. Um, The symphonia, which is just what I'm going to refer to it as, is used as a wheel and a crank and was played by two people. So it's essentially like... The same instrument that I just uh, showed you, but it's way bigger. <laughs> you need two people to play it. Um, you need one person to work the crank and support the body of the instrument, and then the other person plays the melody on the keys by pulling them down instead of pushing up, um, which is why it, you needed two people because it was a little harder to play. Uh, you could also only play like really slow songs because the pulling mechanism like made it kind of uh, clanky to to play anything faster. Mm-hmm. So it was used a lot in church services actually because it was it would be like slow droning music that went along with the kind of the theme of uh, church music of the time. <laughs> I don't know how church people stayed awake. I don't I mean it was I think it was different than than we think of church today. It yeah. was much... It, I, I grew up in, like, a Christian rock church, so yeah. <laughs> that is my relation <laughs> much to church. different setting. These older versions of the symphonia could sometimes be as long as one and a half meters, which is four and a half feet. So... <laughs> is that why it took two people? That's why it took two people, because they were massive. Um, <laughs> there's also... There's debate from, like, what recorded evidence we have of people talking about this kind of music. Some accounts of the music played on this instrument were described as being soft and sweet, but there were also people who described it as being loud and nasal. So, you know, same. (laughs) People describing your singing. (laughs) People describing my singing as either soft and sweet or loud and nasal. Um, I have a lot in common with the hurdy-gurdy. Like I said, um, they would use it in church a lot because it was slower and because it was a drone instrument. That same sort of uh, string was being used in this older version. And church music of the time was also employing a similar drone type of melody with people singing. Um, Mm -hmm. So one singer would hold one continuous note and another singer would sing the melody over it. Is that magical? 
I'm not sure. It matched the style of singing in uh, church services of the time, so it was very popular in church. Um, and now one of the earliest depictions of the organistrum, uh, which is what they're calling it at this point in time because of the use in churches, that was like a pretty strictly church term as, as far as I could tell was to call it the organistrum. Um, but it's depicted on a 12th century Portico da Gloria, which means Portal of Glory, on the cathedral at Santiago de Compostela in Galicia, Spain. It has a carving of two musicians playing an organistrum slash symphonia um, from the 12th century. That's so early. It's crazy. It's really early. Yeah. Um, now, because it was so large, it, like, didn't do well outside of <laughs> services. So what are you going to do? You're going to make a smaller version to take it on the road with you. And that's what people started doing. They created smaller versions of the instrument to use um, by, like, traveling performers, kind of. And they eventually swapped out the pull keys for push keys so that music could be played faster. So it became an instrument that was used a lot to, like... Um, like rile up excitement and to get people dancing and to get people to give you tips and stuff like that. Yes. <laughs> um, and older versions kind of took on a different look. They sort of looked like just like a big box with a crank because all of the musical components were inside of the box. But then they ended up moving away from that and back to the original like guitar shaped kind of instrument. It's weird. It had a lot of like ebbs and flows of how this instrument Yeah, they were probably trying to make made. it easier to play and more portable, but then yeah. they realized that it would sacrifice maybe some of the sound? Maybe, and I think the the box version, all the pictures that I saw, everybody was seated playing it, and then mm -hmm. when it's the other shape, the like kind of guitar-shaped instrument, people are like standing up and playing it and like dancing or whatever at mm -hmm. parties. <laughs> dancing at parties <laughs> with the hurdy-gurdy. <laughs> Um, but because they finally made it able to be taken out on the road, it was eventually listed as one of the nine instruments a minstrel must learn at the uh, in like the medieval times, sort of. Probably today it's, too. Probably today, but it's it's gained popularity throughout the course of time, starting with the 12th century, and then now we're in the medieval ages, and everybody wants to learn the hurdy gurdy. Um, it became so popular, in fact, that kings and angels were often depicted playing the instrument themselves or being seated, like, nearby a player after death. So in all of these, like, medieval artworks, people are playing the hurdy-gurdy. Yeah. Um, it did eventually fall out of popularity, though, by the late Middle Ages because it began to be used more and more by buskers and street musicians and specifically blind beggars. I don't know. Actually, I do know why. I was going to say I don't know why. Uh, it was specifically blind people because it was supposedly easier to play because you could like feel where all the keys mm -hmm. were and then move the crank. Um, I don't I don't know why that's easier than like a guitar, but apparently became very popular um, with blind people to play who were asking for money because people with disabilities at the time were like cast outs of society. And because they were suddenly like uh, sort of taking over the instrument, um, royal musicians and people tied to nobility were like, we don't like this instrument anymore. Oh, no. I know. So it sort of got like 
cast out and people weren't using it so much anymore. The classism. I know, I know. The classism is crazy. Um, but it came back into popularity. This is what I mean by a lot of ebbing and flowing <laughs> with this instrument. It came back into popularity in France uh, due to the early 18th century, so like 1700s, romanticization of pastoral ideals. So like peasants and, and people herding their sheep and yes. uh, all of that nonsense. You could call it cottage core today. <laughs> <laughs> but this ideal was like really rampant in 1700s France throughout the nobility and the thought that peasants lived a peaceful and pleasant life um, among the aristocracy, basically like appropriating their lifestyle and their it's like minimalism it, it, yeah of the old time where like now rich people do minimalism i know it's 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 very like oh that must be so quaint and peaceful um and it was also considered more ladylike to play smaller instruments than like I don't remember. There was like a whole list of instruments at the time that it was like ladies should not play these instruments because it's unladylike. Um, but the hurdy gurdy was an acceptable instrument because it was both like a peasant instrument because, as you remember, it was cast off to the poor people. Um, so it was like bringing pastoral France into the nobility, and it was like appropriate for people to play, I guess. Um, but also, during the 1700s, there was the French Revolution. So <laughs> A classic. All of Basically, what happened is that all of these nobles had hurdy-gurdies in their homes. They didn't call them hurdy-gurdies. There's another French word for it. Um, it's VA. So if you see that, there's like all diff- it's a different word in every language. Um, but in English, it's the hurdy-gurdy. All of their hurdy-gurdies... <laughs> <laughs> All of their hurdy-gurdies were destroyed. What? <laughs> I know. Well, during the French Revolution. Yeah, because, but like, wow. I, I think it was just um, when the revolution was happening, all of these like nobles' homes were invaded. And so... They didn't care what was destroyed. They didn't care. They kind of just wanted to destroy everything that had any significance of like value or symbolic wealth or anything like that. Um, and a lot of hurdy-gurdies were in people's homes. So we actually lost a lot of... Like, the the very old, nice ones. Um, And once again, they fell out of popularity for a while. Until the 1960s and 70s. (laughs) You cannot kill the hurdy-gurdy. You can't kill the hurdy-gurdy. Which saw a sudden uptick in interest in the instrument, particularly in the United States, England, and France. I don't really know what caused it. Apparently, there was just, like, an uptick in the sales of hurdy-gurdies. And there were a lot of people who were trying to make them themselves and like emulate these like really old designs Hmm. so i don't i don't really know exactly what caused it but they became really popular again um and as we know i had never heard of it so i guess they fell out again but if you go on youtube (laughs) there's like a ton of different videos of people who play the hurdy-gurdy professionally um and it's like made its way into some popular music that i had no idea that it was there um, which I'll tell you about right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Give me the pop culture. Yeah. So there's a, a popular song called Hurdy Gurdy Man by an artist named Donovan. No. <laughs> which I've never heard of before. Not but Hurdy-Gurdy there's Hurdy Gurdy Man is the name of the song. Um, there's a European metal band called Ethelian. I think I'm saying that right. That often features the Hurdy Gurdy. If you look up their band, they have one of those like 
power shots of all the band members, and one of them is holding a hurdy-gurdy, so they use it like frequently. Like an OG hurdy, not like an electronic hurdy-gurdy. No, like an OG hurdy-gurdy. Cool. Yeah. Um, I guess it could be an electric hurdy-gurdy. There Pretty are electric hurdy gurdy. There are? Say. They are. That's the I next that. uh, clip that I'm going to show you is an electric hurdy-gurdy. <laughs> yes. It's insane. Um, but yeah, there's a European metal band that uses it a lot. Apparently, hurdy-gurdy was used in uh, several different like metal bands, which is so interesting to me. But it was used in the song Autumn Lake by Led Zeppelin. It was used in the song You Will Be My Ain True Love played by Sting from the Cold Mountain soundtrack. Yeah, um, It's in a song called Low Man's Lyrics by Metallica. It's in two songs by Bruce Springsteen called Empty Sky and Into the Fire. And then it's used uh, by the band Weezer on their song Hang On. <laughs> so all of these like like metal or like rock pop punk kind of bands are I'm, using their hurdy-gurdy. The drone makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just thought it was it was so interesting. It's like that is interesting. Yeah, people people are so inventive with what yeah. they put into their songs. Yeah, uh, but like I said before, it's also very popular now at Renaissance fairs, um, and it's used for like medieval era and pirate type vibes. Um, there is a German legend that the instrument bewitches people with its sound, causing them to become obsessed with the instrument. Uh- there's <laughs> me. You. But also listening bewitched. to that first clip, I felt bewitched. It's so cool. Yeah. It's so cool. Um, there's a lot of European festivals that exist that are dedicated like solely to the instrument. Um, and the Polar Express has a scene where there's like a drifter person on top of the train. He's playing the hurdy-gurdy. He's playing the hurdy-gurdy. He's playing what? a Christmas song on the hurdy-gurdy. All, all I can see is like... A guitar, like a mandolin or guitar. No, it's a hurdy gurdy. I'll show you that clip too. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, yeah, that's wow. the hurdy gurdy. I love it. It's so cool. It like I don't know. It blew my mind. I didn't expect to be so enthralled. It with, is such a funny name, and the fact that like I, like listening to it, mm-hmm. it sounds so cool. It sounds so cool. Oh, that which reminds me, I'll close out my segment with the electric hurdy gurdy. Yes, and give it to us. This guy's uh, arrangement of his song. That's that. That's my new... uh... Your new obsession. My new obsession yeah. is the hurdy gurdy. Catch Brianna in one year playing the hurdy gurdy. Honestly, if if you you can't afford it. It that's what I was gonna say. If somebody that we know who's listening right now, your parents has a hurdy gurdy, <laughs> has access to a hurdy gurdy, will let me borrow it so I can try to play one. <laughs> let me know because uh, I would really like to try my best. She doesn't have time. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> And that's it for that. To compete with Brianna's very interesting, weird instrument, I'm giving you an interesting, weird instrument. Yes. The ooky, spooky, kooky theremin. Ooh. Now, I'm going to give you some fast facts to start us off. Okay. Known for making sci-fi sounds, the theremin is one, the first electronic instrument ever made. Really? Mm-hmm. I yep. had no idea. And two, the only instrument you play without touching it. 
We love it. She didn't even touch it. (laughs) (laughs) So what made the theremin so popular, actually, was the sound it makes. Uh And I'll include... This is me post-including the... (laughs) Theremin sound. So the 1950s were obsessed with alien movies. We Uh got The Day the Earth Stood Still, The Thing from Another World. It came from outer space. Invasion of the Body Snatchers and Forbidden Planet, just to name a few. There's like a list of like 100 movies in the 1950s. Um, So these were all composed with this very eerie sounding instrument. Mm -hmm. I think the reason for this is because not only was the theremin like the future of instruments because it was like the first electronic-y sounding instrument. So all like people landing on our planets like have like future technology. Mm -hmm. So like it kind of gives off that vibe. But also, the theremin kind of has, like, a vocal quality to it. Really? In the way it sounds. Yeah. I'll, you'll listen to that. I should play it for you. Do it. I'm going to play it because <laughs> otherwise you won't get, like, the good, the full effect. Do it! When you think about, like, sci-fi or, like, weird, like, alien sounds, you yeah. think of the theremin in your heart, you know? Oh, wow. So, yeah, the theremin has sort of, like, a vocal quality to it. Yeah. kind of sounds like a weird, like, electronic... <laughs> yeah. um, so that was perfect for aliens and robots because yeah. it's, like, what you'd think, like, maybe an alien would sound like or something like that. Because yeah, when you're composing totally. music, you're trying to create a mood. So, although it's known for its sci-fi sounds, uh, that wasn't originally its intention when it was made. It was actually really? intended for classical music. Yep. Really? It was invented <laughs> 30 years before then, in 1920, by a Russian physicist, Lev Sergeyevich Terman, or as he's known in the West, Leon Theremin. Oh, he, wow. <laughs> no, he named the instrument. Well, actually, I think we named him after the instrument. Anyway. We named him after the instrument? Um, well, because the, we his, named, that's his Western we name. We named the instrument after him? No. We oh, gave, that's right. We, we gave him his Western name after. Got it. Yeah. I'm all, I'm <laughs> all caught up. <laughs> so it was originally invented in the 1920s in the fall, which means it is the 100th anniversary <gasps> of the theremin. And we didn't even know. Oh I didn't God. even know. Happy Love birthday. It. Yes. And it was invented originally as the etherphone, not the okay. theremin. They later named it the theremin. I kind of like the etherphone better. The etherphone is kind of cool because it makes you think oh ether you yeah. know like yeah it definitely feels the vibe yeah of um so he uh in his short memoir left said he started learning music at the age of nine um he played the cello and the piano mm-hmm. and he started learning electricity at the age of seven and learning he, electricity i know this is his memoir okay. and he always which is probably a translation and he always wanted to find a way to unite the two So in an interview with Olivia Mattis, a musicologist, he said he conceived of an instrument that would create sound without using any mechanical energy, like a conductor of an orchestra. That's crazy, man. Which makes sense when you think of how you play the theremin, which I'm going to explain. You play it in the space, like without touching it. So like you get the kind of conductor vibe that he was going for. That's crazy. So 
It's time for science class. Yes, I'm here. I have I'm my notebook. I'm smoothing out my eyebrows to get... I have my number two pencil. Yes, okay. Ready. Here's how the theremin works. I'm going to do my best to explain this. It's kind of complicated because it's all about sound waves and electronics. Okay. So, in order to make sound, we know that you need to have vibrations, right? Check. Yeah. Check. So, for electronics, that vibration comes from an electric current that causes the speaker to vibrate. So, it's kind of like when you think of sound vibrating, it vibrates your eardrums, and right. that's how it's created. Yeah. The speaker acts as kind of like the eardrum. Got it. The theremin does this by <laughs> what is called a capacitor that sends electrons back and forth between the backs of each plate, causing what is called an alternating current. Ooh, okay. <laughs> there are two antennas attached to the theremin. One controls pitch. And one controls volume. One of these antennas acts as a plate of the capacitor. The hand acts of the thereminist acts as the other plate and allows the player to control the oscillations of the current. <laughs> there's also something called heterodyning involved. Basically, there's another fixed current that exists inside the theremin body because otherwise the sound would be too high for human ears. Oh. <laughs> In layman's terms, <laughs> when you're playing a theremin... I, yeah, I am a layman, tell me. <laughs> I also am a layman. All that is very complicated, but I have to say it. Um, no, I was with you. I was with you. Yeah, you, yeah. you kind of get the idea. Yeah. But basically, um, when your hand is closer to the antenna, the uh, pitch is higher. Uh-huh. Um, and when your hand is closer to the other antenna, which is on the other side of the theremin, the volume is lower. Okay. So you can see how you can kind of control, like, the volume. Yeah. Um, and the sound, like, the pitch as well. Yeah. So that's how you play the theremin. Interestingly like a, enough... Sorry, it's like... No, go ahead. It's like VR instruments. It kind of is. <laughs> like yeah, you're you play, like, you're you play doing a, space. Right, yeah. you play a VR game in the space around you, but you're not so actually true. touching anything. That's a good uh, little, yeah. It's like that. Comparison. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Interesting thing, though, because you're controlling the volume, it means you play rests. It's the only instrument where you play rests. <gasps> oh. Yeah. Fun fact. Oh, my gosh. That's <laughs> yeah. so crazy. We're talking a lot about opposites in this episode. It's like the only instrument where you play a rest, whereas every other instrument you don't play on a rest and then my instrument it was like you like push the strings down to the thing instead of you know oh yeah yeah a lot of like what's it called opposite thinking i don't know anyways continue counterintuitive kind of yeah maybe yeah no yeah because same with the pitch is you're not even you normally play a pitch by hitting something or strumming something or touching something the theremin you play the pitch by technically moving, moving to and away from the yeah. actual object because otherwise it's like a really high pitch like squeal if you yeah. touch it um <laughs> if you would like a better explanation of all of this you can watch a really great youtube video from SciShow, which hank green hosts and oh, okay. it explains the science yeah. behind the theremin i got most of my information from that so it'll kind of be similar to what yeah. i said but it's very well laid out it's just too long for me I to got go most into my all the details information from youtube too the youtube videos around these instruments have been like so informative yeah shout they, out to youtube <laughs> especially because they can give you a visual so if you're yeah. having trouble kind of picturing what i was talking about with like the capacitor right you can see how it actually works yeah so left toured russia with the instrument for a few years he actually played for vladimir elish lenin oh i know okay (laughs) there was uh there was a part where lenin was fascinated with the instrument and so then he went up and tried to play it and lev like not yeah lev like guided his hand to play it and it sounds very romantic to me (laughs) also yeah sure (laughs) two different mindsets To me, I'm like, it's like when someone teaches someone how to golf. I'm like, oh, he was No, that's stroking. in the movie Ghost. Oh, when he's doing the pottery. Yeah, the pottery. I didn't know you were talking about the movie. <laughs> oh, no, the movie Ghost. 
<laughs> it is ghost. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Which Vladimir would probably be like so mad if he heard me talking about now. He's rolling in his grave. So he, uh, Lenin gave him a whole sponsor to like go tour Russia because he was fascinated by this instrument. He wanted yeah. everyone to see it, everyone to buy it. Yeah. Wasn't popular. Oh. He traveled to the U. Lev traveled to the U.S. to try to tr- their market to see if maybe he could have more success, mm-hmm. and it was not popular that there oh, either. Poor guy. I know. <laughs> so the reason the theremin isn't a commercial success is because it's extremely difficult to play, as yeah. we might imagine with my yeah. horrible explanation. Players <laughs> have to rely on their ear, like a lot of um, instruments. But in this one, it's harder because the space in between is so sensitive that, like, mm. the slightest movement of your hand changes like whole notes. Oh God! So they have like, if you're actually doing like this, it just like squeals. But there are people who have mastered the theremin who literally do like this and it changes whole notes y'all can't see what i'm doing no i was gonna say <laughs> but for you, i'm showing brianna basically i'm moving my hand super slight in it's like, like tiny twitches in like very tiny twitches and you have to be so still like i wouldn't be able to play the theremin because i shake no. even if i haven't had coffee i know <laughs> so yeah it's a definitely a niche instrument oh my gosh but so crazy. so cool yeah yeah um a little drama oh. a few years later after he went to the u.s in 1938 Lev Terman was taken from his apartment in New York by Russian agents, what? which were the NKVD. I think they preceded the KGB. Okay. And brought back to Russia, where he worked in a special lab because he was such a known scientist. Um, there he invented listening devices and alarm systems for the Soviet oh Union. Oh my God! No, he just wanted to be a musician. He just wanted to be he a was musician. Stolen yeah. for government he, purposes. He loved science just as much as it, but this was the, he found the perfect meld, and so yeah. he wanted to continue that. Wow. Um, yeah. And he's kind of sketchy about it. So in that interview, he said that he wasn't in a prison, but he basically was in kind of like a prison-y type of thing. He was kind of forced to work for them. Right. When they did this interview, it was like the late 80s. So mm. um, right before the end of the Cold War. Mm-hmm. So I'm imagining that he was trying to like be cool about yeah. it but i think he was actually be cool. being forced be to cool about it man things. yeah he's like not trying to we kidnapped Russia. you and i'm maybe like forcing you to make these things for us but like be cool man well they would probably kill him yes i know <laughs> if he bashed the soviet <laughs> union so the theremin is kind of a very specific instrument um mm, and it's got a of. very niche <laughs> Very niche market, and especially because it's so iconic with the sci-fi sounds, Mm -hmm. it's easy to think that it has no place in, like, modern, because we have so many... Because it was the first electronic instrument, we now have so many more electronic ways to make sounds and cool sounds that it's kind of not really... Like, you can make the same theremin sound just with, like, a computer. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's easy to think that maybe it kind of fell out of practice. But actually, there are some modern places that the theremin is being used. A couple of those being Monster House, <laughs> a classic oh. movie. Uh, the Machinist with Christian Bale. Did you ever see that movie? Uh, no, but that's the one that he got like super skinny, super skinny for, though, yeah. right? I was just talking about that with my family, and I was like, I don't know what movie it was. <laughs> it was The Machinist. The Machinist. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, I think that was early Christopher Nolan. And then First Man with Ryan Gosling in 2018. Oh. That features the theremin in it. Okay. And... This one is from the 90s, but I just got to mention because it it's so iconic. Mars Attacks. Stop. <laughs> That's the <laughs> favorite of it. We love it. Mars Attacks. I know. I, which oh. I still haven't seen, and then we need to see it because yeah. it's so iconic. Yeah. Um, and then a notable video game that it's in is Red Dead Redemption 2, oh. which came out either last year or the year before. I can't remember. It was, like, in production for so long. <laughs> yeah. 
I've heard of that. Yeah. <laughs> which is weird for me. <laughs> it also has the theremin, which is so interesting for yeah. a kind of like, you know, that type of video game. Yeah. So there are also some modern composers of the theremin, one of them being Carolina Eich. Ooh, I get a girl. I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing her last <laughs> name correct. She is a famous modern theremist theremin composer. She combines her voice with the theremin for some of her songs. Oh, ookie spooky. Ook, literally ookie spooky. <laughs> and she like layers her voice in such cool ways so it sounds kind of like a choir. Oh, wow. And she does this in performance. So it's literally like she'll no like lay way. she like lays down a track of her voice and then she like does it over top of it. Oh it's so God. cool. People are brilliant. And then she I plays can... the theremin with, yeah. <laughs> I don't, that's amazing. It's I can so, never. She's such an icon. <laughs> um, she also has a YouTube channel too that teaches people how to play the theremin. Oh, cool. So she's keeping the theremin she's giving alive. back. Good for you, Carolina. <laughs> There's also another theremin performer who is iconic. <laughs> it is a drag queen <gasps> named Armin Ra. Mm-hmm. Oh, Here's the story. that's awesome. <laughs> I love this story. In <laughs> 2000, he was modeling for a photographer, David LaChapelle, when the New York Times Magazine was doing a story on him. Because Armin Ra was there modeling, they also interviewed him, and they asked him, besides modeling, what do you do? And in order to seem more interesting, he said he's starting to learn the theremin. <laughs> Shut up. No, it was a lie? It was a lie. <laughs> he was literally like, I'm starting to learn the theremin. He was just trying to seem super cool. <laughs> Next day, they printed that in New York Times Magazine. Oh, no. And so all of his <laughs> no. friends and his family were like, oh, that's what? cool that you were doing. So in order to live up to this expectation, he actually started to learn it. And now he's well, like hey, a famous person playing Fake it till you make it. Literally. <laughs> oh, my God. He's been featured on Selena Gomez's Me and My Girls playing the theremin. Oh. And Gwen Stefani's Naughty. Oh, my God. And then he also composes himself and does these really cool shows. If you kind of imagine, like, you know, Sasha Velour's, like, projections and stuff like that? Yes. Armin Ra does that, but he's also playing the theremin, so it looks, like, super magical. And, like, he's, That's like, awesome. It's so cool. And he wears so his extravagant cool. costumes. It's so cool. I love it. And then, last but not least, of course, I cannot talk about the theremin without talking about the most iconic version of the theremin, the Badgerman. What? <laughs> Made in 2012, it is a taxidermied badger filled with the necessary bits to create a theremin. Ew! I know. No! The antenna comes out of its neck and the metal loop comes out of its ass. What? Oh my god. What messed up dude decided that was a good idea? I don't know, but it's so iconic. And, like, this makes me think, too, like, if you're going to do that, you can use anything to make a theremin, as long as it's not, like, metal, because you're disrupting the frequency. But, like, yeah, you can make the body of a theremin out of anything. That's And they just happen to make it out of a badger. Yeah. (laughs) That's the theremin. Wow. That's ookie spooky. Oh, my gosh. I had so much fun this episode. Me, too. We have such cool instruments for all of you. I hope everybody enjoyed it as much as I did, because I've been having a blast. Me, too. Here in this closet. Well, thank you so much for listening. You're welcome. If you have... Oh, my God. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) If you have any theme suggestions for us, send them over to thingamabobpodcast at gmail.com or slide into our DMs on Twitter or Insta at thingamabobpod. 
While you're there, give us a follow. Please subscribe to our show on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen. Please leave us a review while you're there. It really helps us uh, get the word out about our show. Make sure to hang out with us next Wednesday, where you better watch your drink, because we're talking about poison. (laughs) And thank you for joining us, because now we are all two things smarter. Bye.